This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel according to John, chapter 3. We began on this subject, if you will, I'll say... Uh, my intent is really to take it back to the basics. Uh, and there's some things, as I mentioned before, these things really never get old to me. And you know how you are. There's some movies that you just love to watch over and over and over again. And it never gets old. So it is with the Word of God. When you get a, a glimpse of God, you get to how do you say it when you just get to spend some time and just look if you will into your lover's eyes and you have no interruptions and it's just you and them it should never get old Uh, so the point of this is and we entitled this or I entitled this biblical examples of redemption Uh, we're subtitling this God is a redeeming God and the goal of this is that we would know God. Again, these are interesting times that we're living in, and no matter what the time, someone's always asking, where's God? But a lot of people are asking where God is now, and and what what is he up to? Well, he's up to what he's always been up to. And I just want you to know who God is. He is a redeeming God. That's the whole point, is that you know God as a redeeming God because that is who he is. And as we get to know God as a redeeming God, we're just getting reacquainted with, for those of us who have been redeemed by Him, we're getting reacquainted with our Redeemer. For those of you who have not been redeemed by Him, we're letting you know who He is so you can love Him like we love Him. And the more we look into this, you will realize what the Scripture means. It means more than what it says. We love Him because He first loved us. And that's a simple statement, but if you, if he brought you through, if he brought you out, if he took you from a place where you thought you were unreachable and he reached you, when you thought you didn't count, but then you ran across him and you counted with him, that scripture means more than meets the eye. And so it's good to sometimes remember where we come from, where he's delivered us from, and then we can see how good a God he is. And as we do that, those who don't know him as the redeeming God will desire it. See, many will see, and many will desire to have that kind of relationship that we have with the living God. And I told you the motivation of this teaching is the love of God. And I told you God loves them that are lost. And don't get messed up by the term lost. As I mentioned to you, we've all been lost at one time or another. Just in the natural. We've all been in a place we were not supposed to be. We were all in a place we never intended to be. Somehow we ended up where we did not start going to. And so when I say lost, I mean just simply out of position. You're out of position. Now I mentioned that we've all been there naturally, but let me tell you, we've all been there spiritually. We're out of position when it comes to God. We have all been there. So don't let that terminology get you messed up. Every one of us have had the experience of being lost before God. <laughs> and again, remember this. God's never lost. We're the lost ones. God knows exactly where he is. It's us who in our own. See, because sometimes people know that they're lost and they're just stubborn about it. I'm going to stay lost until I find my way. I'm going to tell you this. When it comes to, here, here's me. Now, I, 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 I'm from Dallas. And I always tell people, I could always get around in Dallas. I don't even need to know the streets. I just need to know north, south, east, and west. And I can get back home again. See, that's in the natural. But when it comes spiritually, you don't know where your home is. And even if you did, how you get there. And see, because if you're somewhere, you don't know where you are, and you know it's not where you're supposed to be, 
and you don't know how to get there, you need somebody to lead you out. And I'm here to tell you, God is in the finding business. He's in the redeeming business. Jesus said it himself. He said, I can't. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. I can't. Jesus said, I interrupted what I was doing. Has anyone ever interrupted you before? <laughs> Has anyone ever asked you to stop what you're doing because they need help? You know, sometimes in our minds we can be selfish and we'll say, yeah, but that's not my problem. And don't you know Christ was secure? He had no issues where he was. He wasn't in trouble, but he interrupted his schedule. And he came. He came to the earth, and he lets us know why he interrupted his schedule. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. He came. Uh, we're going to get to it. So lost simply means out of position. And we've all been out of position with God. So, let's look at this in John chapter 3. This was our key verse. John chapter 3, verse number 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, again, that's the term of respect, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now, we spent a little time talking about Nicodemus. I want you to, to be familiar with where Nicodemus is coming from. There in verse number one, it says he's a member of the Pharisees and he's a ruler. Uh, later on, Jesus refers to Nicodemus as, Are you a master of Israel? And remember, in this nation, they really are one nation under God. God established this nation, and their society is centered around religion. And the popular group in that day were the Pharisees. And the Pharisees prided themselves about what they knew versus what you didn't know concerning God. And not only that, we saw that he was more than just a Pharisee, he was a member of the Sanhedrin. And the thing about it is that Nicodemus is a member of the influencing group of the day. And this member of the influencing group of the day comes to Jesus by night. Don't miss it. Amen. Glory to God. Don't miss it. He is a member of the influencers of the day. But they don't want to influence people to agree with Jesus. So he comes by night. So here he is with this influence coming to Jesus by night. Now, again, again, this is a case of they're not signing off on Jesus. Okay? And he's not violating the group by signing off on Jesus. So he's not going to do it in the day. He's going to come by night. And notice what he tells them when he comes by night. He says, we know. He didn't say, I know. He says, we know. We've discussed this. I've been at the meetings. You've been the topic of discussion. And the things you've been, it's been the topic of discussion. And we've come to this conclusion. Uh, you must come from God. God has to be with you. Uh, we can't explain away these things that you're doing. God has to be with you. So, so check this out. Here he is, a Pharisee that's supposed to represent God, refusing to allow his influence to point people to Christ. And he admits that we know God is with you. Now that seems kind of wrong, doesn't it? That seems messed up, doesn't it? But before you jump on Nicodemus, many of you know people who you believe God is with and you won't take their counsel. You're not signing off on them. So, so in this, I find us. And, and many of us, and, and here's the thing about it, Nicodemus is a religious man. Many in the church have the same attitude. Hmm. So he comes by night, admits that, hey, God has to be with you. We, we've checked it out. God has to be with you. But Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that word see means experience. So he tells them plainly, that, yeah, yeah, you might be witnessing the miracles, but until you become born again, you'll never know God for yourself. You'll never have an experience of God for yourself. 
self. And I want to stop here for a second. I want to make sure you understand this. I don't care how long you've been in the church. Unless you be born again, you won't experience the kingdom. You won't experience the goodness of God. See, because once you're born again, here's what happens. Uh, you get a touch of God in your life. And you want that touch of God in your life. And you can sit in church on a regular basis every Sunday. You can be in the choir and make every choir practice. But unless you be born again, you're not experiencing the kingdom of God. And again, I want to, I want to tell you this. People are experiencing it and they'll be falling all around you and it will miss you until you become or make the decision to be born again. Now, remember, this is a special day. This was not open. This experience was not open to them in the Old Testament. It's open to us now. A very special time. Where we have the opportunity to be born again. And I want to warn you, warn you again, remind you, these things I'm, I'm still reviewing. But once you are born again, the world doesn't stop being the world. See, you'll have an experience with God, but the world will still be the world around you. You know, Bad things will still happen to good people. <laughs> good things will happen to bad people. Uh, but the thing is, God is doing something with you. Wow, I'm, I'm telling you, God is good. And, and the more I see this, the more you realize God, how good God is. Because he puts up with people mess to get to you. No, you, you don't understand. It. See, the stuff that's going around you while, while you're sitting up here, why doesn't God do something about this or do something about that. Why didn't he do something about this injustice? Well, you're not born again yet. And if you were to judge everybody and you not be born again, you'd be with them that you're complaining about. Oh, I'm not. I mean, that would flip the script on you, wouldn't it? Well, they did this and God said, yeah, but you did this. <laughs> well, they need to pay. Well, God said, no, no, no. This is personal now between me and you. And so, yet, yeah, things will still be the way they are until God does what he's going to do. But he's trying to gather as many as he can to deliver you. Because when that day comes, if you are outside of the kingdom, you're in trouble. Plain and simple. You're just in trouble. So Jesus tells Nicodemus again, I don't care how religious you are, you need to be born again. And I do want you to understand this, okay? Uh, when Jesus is speaking this, how do I say this? I want to keep it simple. When he's speaking this to Nicodemus, uh, he's speaking about what Nicodemus should have been seeing from the scriptures he says he knows. Okay? And so, the time to be born again would later come in the scriptures. We live in that time now. Nicodemus was not yet in that time. But Jesus was dealing with him about the time that was coming, which we now presently live in. Amen? Now, when it comes to, again, I, I want to make sure you understand this. When it comes to be born, being born again, things open up for you. A relationship with God opens up for you. And if you will, when it comes to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is found in the scriptures. That's how it's revealed in the scriptures. And when you are born again... Those who have been that way, they can tell you. It's like somebody changed the book. You know, the stuff we used to read that made no sense to us, as soon as we have an experience with God, it's like he opens up our eyes. And the scriptures start to make sense to us. And, and, and again, that's, that's just an example of there really is an experience with God that takes place. And, and now, it, it, I mean, it is, totally, it is totally different from this point going forward. Once you enter into the born again experience. Now, I do want to, again, make mention of this. Jesus didn't say you need to be a Christian. He says you need to be born again. And I mentioned to you, just interesting, I mentioned to you last time that this is me. I just don't like being tagged a Christian rather than being tagged born again. Because Christian doesn't mean what it first meant. The Bible says they were first called Christians at Antioch. And I believe they were called that because when people looked at them, they saw how closely they followed Jesus Christ in all character 
and in all conduct. Now we say Christian if we have any association to a place that's called a church. And I was looking, I was looking at something totally different. <laughs> this is amazing. I was looking at something totally different uh, online for something. And I ran across this. I ran across a, an old article. It's a survey that was done in the United Kingdom. And it was done, uh, I believe, in 2012 or so. And they took a survey of Christians in their nation. And again, I, I just found it interesting. I said, you know, this is what I've been talking about. And I just want, you, want to uh, read something from uh, an excerpt from that. And it's from, and I don't know what this organization is, IPSOS. They did some survey on religious and social attitudes in the United Kingdom Christians. Okay. I just want to read an excerpt because, again, I want to make sure you understand this. You need to be born again. Being a Christian won't cut it. When asked, I'm quoting from this article, when asked why they think of themselves as Christian, the research found that fewer than 3 in 10, 28%, 28% of them that call themselves Christians say one of the reasons is that they believe in the teachings of Christianity. Let that soak in. They call themselves Christian, but most of them don't even say they believe in Christianity, in the teachings of Christianity. Again, when asked why they think of themselves as Christian, the research found that fewer than three in ten say one of the reasons is that they believe in the teachings of Christianity. People are much more likely to consider themselves to be Christian because they were Christianed or baptized into the religion. 72% say that's why they consider themselves Christian. Now, now I'll have you know, they didn't ask ten people. This was over a thousand people that they asked. People that call themselves Christian. So people are much more likely to consider themselves to be Christian because they were Christian or baptized into the religion or because their parents were members of the religion. 38%. So more consider themselves Christian because they were baptized in the church or their family was at church than they say they actually believe in the teachings. Hmm. The research sought to measure a number of Christian practices including regular reading of the Bible and prayer outside church services to see how prevalent these were amongst respondents self-identifying as Christian. Among the results, we find that the majority, 60%, have not read any part of the Bible independently and from choice for at least a year. Over a third, 37%, have never or almost never prayed outside of church service. 6% say they pray independently and from choice less than once a year. That's, that's another 6%. So 43% say that they pray independently and from choice less than once a year. It 26% say they completely believe in the power of prayer. With 1 in 5 saying they either do not really believe in, in it or do not believe in it at all. These are people that call themselves Christians. And it goes on to say some other things. I'm not going to read the other things, but a lot of people like to wear the tag Christian, but there's going to come a day when they have to meet the maker. And the Christian tag won't do. You must be born again. You know, this is one of, of my concerns is that, you know, our children will call themselves Christians because mom and daddy have been in the church. But, you know, you can't be a Christian. You've got to be born again. I'm talking to you parents right now. Because yeah, you have children who claim Christianity, but are they born again? You know, that should be a parent's job, number one, is to introduce them that they, to the idea that you have to be born again. Being a Christian just won't do. So you with me? So I'm, I'm not, to me, the scripture says a lot. We run over it. People think they're all right because they're called a Christian. And no, you must be born again. We, we start wondering, when, well, I thought they were a Christian. Look at what happened to them. Yeah, they might have been a Christian, but were they born again? I thought they were a Christian. Look at what they're singing now. Yeah, but were they born again? There is a difference. 
So again, we're dealing with this phrase. Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So now the question is, what does it mean to be born again? Now, I'm not just going to give you the straight definition because the definition doesn't encompass all that it means. <laughs> Trust me in this. So, so let's, let's run down it. Now, I can't, really, I can't really encapsulate all that it means, but I'll start out this way. What does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to be born again? In my mind, number one, it means God is good. This will become more obvious as we go further in this teaching. But here's the idea. His goodness is greater than your sin. Hear me now. Your sin isn't that much when you compare it to how good he is and he's willing to be toward you. And we... At times, I know we wear it well, but we know that we're not in a right position with God. We've done things that we're not proud of. and We may not be publishing those things, but those things weigh on us. And in our minds and in our eyes, it's big. And in our mind, it's so big, it is beyond forgiveness. And I'll, I'll have you to know this. In your mind, your sin is so terrible. So horrible. So unforgivable. In your mind, your sin might be like the Grand Canyon. In size. But if your sin is as bad as the Grand Canyon, His goodness is as bad as the Milky Way. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. This is, it means God is good. Because your sin is weighing on you. It is bearing down on you. And it is despicable. But let me tell you, as despicable as it is, His goodness far exceeds that. Laps it. Many times over. And we're not going to turn there, but in Ephesians chapter 3, the writer of Ephesians goes through his prayer for the believers. And he says, my prayer is that you would know the breath. The length, the depth, and the heights of the love God has through you through Jesus Christ. Now, I'll have you to know, he is saying that not so you can get out a tape measure. Because what he's saying is that if you could comprehend how great it is, you'd be alright. <laughs> you would run to him and be good with him because his goodness is greater than your sin. And I don't just mean a little bit. It is greater. In Psalms 103, again, we won't turn there, but in Psalms 103, you can write it down. But when the writer in Psalms 103 goes to describe his mercy, he said, now, if you want to describe the greatness of his mercy, well, as high as the heavens are over the earth, that's how great. His mercy, which is born out of His love, is. I'm telling you, that, that's to me, that's outstanding. That's amazing. You must be born again. What does born again mean? It means God is good. It means your sin is, it might be bad, but His love is greater. That's what it means. It means that there's no rock... I don't care how big it is, how large it is, underneath which his love won't reach. I know we've all been guilty of doing things that we wish we had not done, doing things we wish we could go back and undo. And I don't care how bad it is. You know, and we start to measure Right? We start to measure our sins. 
Well, at least I'm not, yeah, yeah, yeah. But even if it was so bad, I want you to know he's got you in his love. Listen to this. There is no measure of unfaithfulness in me that can outmeasure his faithfulness. Now I'm talking to those who've been redeemed. I want you to understand that. The Bible tells us if I do not remain faithful, he's got to stay faithful. Because he cannot deny himself. See, this is why I want you to understand. I want you to know who God is. He is a redeeming God. He has been a redeeming God. He is a redeeming God. And he will remain a redeeming God. And being born again introduces you to the idea that his love is greater than your sin. His faithfulness to a commitment to redeem man means that his goodness is outmeasuring any wrong you have done. Now grasp that. Get a hold of that. We're going to go there. But get a hold of that. See, because we like to measure sins. And we think about those people we don't want to forgive. Those people that we're not willing to forgive. God is. See, because your goodness is not as good as his goodness. <laughs> Amen. Glory to your name, God. That is remarkable to me. That blows me away. How great the love of God is. The people we have cut off, he says, I got room in my goodness for them. But you must be born again. See, as long as you are not born again, you're cut off from that experience with God. I'm telling you, you want that experience with God. Like, like I mentioned, you can go to church, you can read your Bible, you can sing the songs, but unless you're born again, you'll never have that experience with God. And when you have that experience with God, He ushers you through life. His hand guides you through life. There's a scripture that we're familiar with. Uh, many people are familiar with. And I'll go into, I'll just, re, I'll just paraphrase it. But first I want you to understand, when we go through this life, the Bible calls this world that we live in right now, the valley of the shadow of death. So I, being born again, live in the same world as those who are not born again. I walk through the same valley of the shadow of death. But being born again, I am ushered through life by a God whose goodness is greater than my sin. And then I hear the scriptures say, Yea, though I walk through this valley of the shadow of death just like you do, I don't fear evil because I know he's with me. I'm telling you, this is... What does it mean to be born again? It means God is good. His goodness is greater than my sin. And I want you to consider that. Because sin comes with a lot of weight. Sin comes with shame. The memories of our sin, they depress us. Man. But if I were to enter into the kingdom, if I were to see the kingdom by being born again, he takes the weight away. Consider that now. Don't you want to be free? Jesus said, him whom the Son makes free is free indeed. It's more than a notion. It's reality. We'll get a chance, because we're going to go over biblical examples of redemption. And we'll get a chance to see what it means to be free. And there's a response when you are made free. You can't help but praise Him. You can't help but glorify His name. You can't help but give Him the glory. See, you don't need to know the details, the gritty details of what weighed me down. All you need to know is that I have been freed. Because God is good. Because He's a redeeming God. And that's what it means to be born again.
tell him there's no rock under which his goodness cannot reach you. Hallelujah. I don't care what family you come from. I don't care how many generations. Whatever has been going on has been going on. Get an experience with this kingdom through being born again. Things will turn. Things will change for you. What does it mean to be born again? It means to us that God is good. It literally means, here's the definition. It means to be born from above. It literally means to be born from above. I want you to consider that. In this earth, people have babies. <laughs> and, you know, mamas and daddies have babies. Babies grow up, they're children, they grow up to be adults. We all know a mother and a father. I don't care if you know your biological mother and father or not. Uh, somebody fathered you, somebody mothered you. But the born again experience literally means to be born from above. It means you now have a new father. Now, this is not to say that he is replacing mama or daddy. How do I say this? Mama and daddy are limited. And again, now, get it straight. This is not saying that mama and daddy are bad. This applies to any mama, bad or good, by our measure. But let's say mom and daddy are on point. See, mom and daddy love the Lord. Mom and daddy pointed us to the Lord. But you know, mama and daddy are still limited. They can only go so far. Because these lives are mortal. Just like you were born, they were born. And then as time goes by, then eventually this body wears out. And mama and daddy will one day go on to be with the Lord. But when you're born from above, you're never alone. I think it's Psalms 27. There's a, a, a section of scripture I love there. It says, when my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. I want you to think about that now. Because when we lose our mother, our father in the natural, we're like, where are we going to go now? But if you be born from above. See, I'm telling you, once you are born again, once you have that experience with the kingdom, then God will usher you through life. See, sometimes it's hard to make it when those that we depended on so much are no longer with us. But then there's a father. Who never leaves us. Who never forsakes us. Who's always available. Who hears us when we call out to him. Wow. I told you this was going to become more apparent the more we're looking to it. God is good. This is God. He, this is what is going on right now. God is there. He wants you to be born from above. He wants to be your father. How do I say this? this? This is, again, Jesus said it this way. Uh, except a man be born again, he cannot see. He cannot experience the kingdom of God. Here's the thing about the kingdom of God. It's, this is some stuff we taught not too long ago. But the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. See, while the world stays the world around you, because his hands are on you, because he's ushering you through, you have peace that endures. Joy that remains. Don't you want to be free? That's why some people think they're living, but they don't know peace. They don't know joy. Get a taste of life. See the kingdom. Experience. Get a touch from God. And know life. 
being a Christian won't get that for you. Do you hear me? You understand? Just being a Christian won't get that for you. It comes with being born again. What does it mean to be born again? It means God is good. It literally means born from above. Now, I'm going to mention these other words. And these other words you'll find mentioned in the Bible. You hear other Christians mention them. uh, And this is what they're referring to. To be born again, it means regenerated. In other words, the old is gone. And now what's present is new. That's why the Bible tells us if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. That's why it's also referred to as the new birth. See, I've been born anew. I'm not the old. I'm not the one you remember. I'm born from above. I've got a father from above. The old, he's put away. And now I have the new. See, sometimes we forget where we come from, people. And I know some of us think that we came out of the womb just so squeaky clean. So pampered fresh. No. We needed a new start. We needed to get rid of the old. That was not leading to any good. And he rescued us. See, he came to seek and save that which was lost. Hallelujah. Glory to you. Let's keep going. All this stuff is going to become more and more apparent as we teach this. It means to be regenerated. It means the new birth. It means to be washed. When we walk through this valley of the shadow of death, we can get some grime on us. We can get some dirt on us. The elements have their way with us. And it's not on the outside. It's on the inside. And to be born again means I get to put the dirt away. It means to be washed. Glory to God, it means to be justified. It means to be regenerated. It's also referred to as the new birth. It means to be washed. It means to be justified. Justified means justified. You are declared innocent from all previous charges. Glory to your name, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. While others still count you as the guilty, God has said, I call you innocent. Now who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Glory to God. You know, I heard some old people say, he's a lawyer. Now, I may not be able to find the scripture, but I do find the substance. See, because he declared me innocent, and when other people are trying to accuse me of what he's declared me innocent of, I got a lawyer who's not going to lose this case. Hmm. What gives you the right to be justified? Born again, baby. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm taking advantage of the day. I'm taking advantage of this season. It is the season where those who want to be can be delivered, can be redeemed, can be washed, can be regenerated, can have the new birth, can be justified. And many of us know it as this. It means to be saved. And with that, that means it means... It means to be made whole. I'm made whole. And then, and this is what we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about, it means to be redeemed. Hallelujah. It means to be redeemed. So what does it mean to be born again? First of all, to us, it means that God is good. It literally means born from above. 
It means regenerated. It means to be washed. It means to be justified. It means to be saved. It means to be redeemed. So we're going to spend the rest of our time concentrating on that idea of being redeemed and of redemption. Now, to be redeemed itself, we're going to define it this way. It means to be restored. Restored. Think about that. It means to be restored. Now, why redemption? Why is redemption necessary? Why is the concept of redemption even talked about? Again, thinking that redemption means to be restored, it's because man is lost. It means something that was in order, man, got out of order, and redemption is the returning to that order. Man has gotten away from where man at one time was. This is the thing about man. Man thinks that he is civilized, but in his being civilized, he's growing further and further away from God. Look at this in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Man, that's a reference to mankind, is out of the position God originally placed him in. Now, Genesis 2 and 8, just that scripture alone. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So God positioned man, and he put him in the Garden of Eden. And I'll have you to know this about the Garden of Eden. This is the place where man communed, met, talked, fellowshiped, had a relationship with God. And you know, if you look for the Garden of Eden now, people will say, well, the Garden of Eden was here, the Garden of Eden was there. Let me tell you, uh, you can't enter the Garden of Eden. Why? Because man has fallen out of that relationship. So there's no place where that relationship can continue as man is in position right now. Because we're not in position. And so God originally, to me, that is a, that's a marvelous thing. Can you consider being able to talk with God on a regular basis? Here it is. We can, but we don't. He gives us the opportunity to pray, and then when we get a chance to pray, we're like, oh, God, I don't know how to approach you. you. You know, which testifies to us, man is not in the position he once was. Which means Adam has something to say to God, and God has something to say to Adam. And, and Adam never thought, man, what am I going to say to God today from where I am? He didn't have that kind of issue originally. And let me let you know this about Adam. You know, the world needs to hear this. Adam is the father of us all. His DNA is running in each and every one of us. We are so stupid. We are so silly. We divide ourselves, but we be family. Man's out of position. God did not originally put us in that kind of place. We're out of position. You know what God wants? God wants to go back to a time where he can have relationship with man. So when we talk about being born again, when we talk about being redeemed, we're talking about restoring man and God. How do I say this? Have you ever been or had a rift, had a tiff with somebody you love? I mean, seriously. I'm not talking about toothpaste. I'm not talking about toilet paper. I'm talking about a serious rift in the relationship. 
but you love this individual. And, I mean, it's serious. So, so you, you're not talking to them, they're not talking to you, and you know it's just not sitting right with you. It's not sitting right with God. Because God did not create man, then man would be separated from God. God did not create man, that man would do his own thing apart from God. It's sort of like the, 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 uh, uh, the parent-child relationship. <laughs> you know, I didn't teach you to do this, but you want to do your own thing. That's the kind of place God is in. God desires us to have relationship with him, but man has chosen to do his own thing. And man in his infinite wisdom, which he has none, thinks he's in a good place, he thinks he's in a good spot, he's lost and doesn't even know it. But all the evidence of being lost is there. Because when we talk about life, people are missing that life. People don't have peace. There's an absence of joy. That's why people are running around searching for, what is my purpose? You're out of position, that's why you don't know your purpose. I think I need to go down to the Amazon and find myself. No, you know what? You're lost, you need help, you don't know where to go, but God knows where you belong. So why redemption? Because man is lost. We've all been lost. We're not in the original position God placed us in. It was a position of relationship with God. So without us being born again, without us being redeemed, we can't be in proper order with God. God wants his children back home. Why redeem? Why redemption? Why this idea? Because there's no kingdom of God for you without you being redeemed. There's no kingdom of God for you without you being redeemed. And let me make this plain to you. Man is lost because man sinned. And plain and simple. God did not put us in a position where we would sin. We chose to go that way. <sighs> Amen. And let me remind you, Adam's DNA is in you. <laughs> Adam's DNA is in you. Adam was off to a good start, but he made a decision to do his own thing. You are children of Adam. You do those things that do not please God. So, so you got his DNA in you. And every man that is born in this world is born a sinner. Did I say every? Every man born into this world, every woman born into this world, born of a mother, born of a father of this world, you are a sinner. If you want to put it straight up, you're a natural born sinner. That's to say you're a spiritual law breaker. <laughs> There's sin. Sin is doing that which does not please God. That's sin. How about that? Is that simple enough? You know, when you lie, that doesn't please God that you lie. When you cheat, it doesn't please God that you cheat. <laughs> you know, when you, you hit one another and murder one another, it doesn't please God that you do those things. You know, it doesn't please God when you don't pray. It doesn't please God when you don't listen to Him. <laughs> you know, all this, it's all sin. You know, we want to say, well, I don't commit murder. Yeah, but you don't obey God. It's sin. You know, I don't know how else to say this. I really don't. If you're not born again, you're a sinner. the thing about being lost. We started out this way. Not today, but last week. We said this. The best thing for you is to know that you're lost. Because then once you know you're lost, you'll receive the help. And let me tell you, you're not innocent. Now, I, I will say this, okay? And I'll say this because the people need to uh, understand this. You know, little babies are innocent. They don't know. All right, you know, a little baby could be up there in front of the live stream right now, not comprehending a word that I'm saying. They're innocent. But you that hear and understand, you are not innocent. 
That's true. That's true. There's a difference in not knowing you're guilty versus not being guilty. Do you hear me? You can not know you're guilty. That doesn't mean you're not guilty. There is a difference. I'll tell you, there's a stretch of roadway. I won't even, I won't give it, give it away. But there's a stretch of roadway here in the city of Austin. And there is no posted speed. I won't tell you. Don't worry, I'm not, I'm not going to let the beans out. I'm not telling you. But there's no posted speed. I even looked online. I went to TextDot. I went to the Department of Transportation. And I did not find any information on a speed. There's nothing posted. There's nothing online. And I travel this roadway quite often. And so, in all honesty, I've never seen anyone stopped. Why? Because there's nothing that tells them what they should be doing. So if I were to get stopped, I could not be found guilty. Now, there's a difference. That's only one stretch of roadway. Now, you got your roadways and you just don't acknowledge the sign. It's not that it's not posted. You just don't see it. And you're not necessarily looking for it either. And you drive right by it, going faster than it says you should go. And if they were to stop you, you cannot use the defense of, I didn't see it. Whether or not you saw it, I didn't know I was guilty. You're still guilty. Because there is a posted speed. Now, here's the thing about it. Now, on the stretch of roadway, it doesn't have huge turns. So there's no posted sign, so I can't be found guilty. But let me take a turn too fast. The speed would still kill. Do you understand me? So, so even though I might not be able to be found guilty, the consequences of wrong actions still exist. And let me tell you, God's signs have been posted for you. You're not innocent. You can't claim, well, you, I, can't, I can't be found guilty because there are no posted signs. No, God posted signs for you. And you want to know the first posted sign God has for you? Mama and Daddy. That's the first posted sign. They told you not and you did. They told you do and you didn't. You're not innocent. That's sin. Don't you know not obeying your parents is not the will of God? And anything that's not the will of God that you engage in is sin. You're a sinner. You're not innocent. I didn't know I was guilty. The sign was posted. You drove right by it. Didn't claim I didn't see it. You know the next posting? If the parents don't do it, I love the scripture. The heavens declare his glory. You look at nature, the nature says, no, 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 there's a certain order you're supposed to have. It, 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 it's not funny, it is sick to me. Okay, it is downright sick to me. People try to find examples in nature that are homosexual now. Why? To justify their wrong position. Why? Because the signs are posted and they want some other posted sign that contradicts what God has already put before them. Nature tells them what's right. And what's wrong. But we want to declare ourselves innocent. You know, I, I, and I'm just going to be straight with you. Homosexuality, that might be a rock you're under, but his goodness still reaches you. While you go and try to justify your lost position and be stubborn in your lost position, God is there waiting to love you and to receive you. And as long as you fight against God's will, and His will is to redeem you, as long as you fight against God's will, there will be no peace. There will be no joy. You tell me whatever you want to, you will not make God out to be a liar. 
And you might wear it well when we see you, but I know what goes on on the inside. And God wants restoration to take place. Because he's a redeeming God. But as long as you deny the posted sign, it's never going to get better. But you be born again. See, because they're homosexual Christians. You know that, right? There are. And again, I say this to this point. The motivation of this is God's love. God doesn't love the homosexuality, but he loves the individual. Glory to your name, God. I'm telling you, God's goodness is greater than your sin. Sin, anything that is done that is outside or against the will of God. So he's posted the signs. Parents were the first posted. Nature itself speaks to you. And then you have those that associations that you know are connected with God. You may not like to talk to them because God is in the finding business. No, no, you didn't get that, did you? When God locates you, he will tell you where you are. You are in sin. You're out of order. That is God finding you. No, you're missing it. You're missing. No, God has to come to me this way. He has to tell me that He loves me. He is telling you that He loves you and get out of sin. Because as long as you stay that way, you will never experience His hand guiding you. But we're talking about posted signs. Those people you don't like to talk to that, that, makes, that remind you of the thing that you know you're doing wrong. Did you hear me? You know you're doing it wrong. You know you shouldn't be engaged in it. And they just remind you of it. That's God being a redeeming God. And then, of course, this is a place that a lot of people like to avoid the church. That's a posted sign. And just because you drive by, you know, people have been inviting you forever. And you just drive by. Let me tell you, this is for... We know about dispensations. The born-again experience is not for all time. It is for a given time. And you live in that given time. When is the time up? You don't even know. All you know is you have now. And I got to stop. I got to stop. We got more to talk about. We're just getting started on finding out about the redeeming God. We haven't even gotten close to the examples yet. But when we get to those examples, let me tell you, just thinking about them, they they send shivers up my spine because of the goodness of God. Oh, how good our God is. And again, I want to make sure you understand this. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care how ashamed of it you are. Here's the one thing you have to realize. God knows. It may be hidden from others, but it's not hidden from God. And the amazing thing to me about it is, while others, would, if they knew, would leave a bad taste in their mouth, would change their attitudes towards you, He knows and He still loves you. What does it mean to be born again? It means God is good. He has opened up a door in this present time that you might taste of his goodness. And I want to let you know, don't put it off. And and this is, I want to make sure you understand this. This is not just for the unchurched. That's why I want to make a point of Christian versus born again. It's for those who've been in the church. Those who've sat with us. Those who've supped with us. Those who've participated with us. And some have not yet been born again. You don't know your bounds. You don't know your start. You don't know your end. You do know you have right now.
This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.